Chaf Zayin Mar Cheshvan Tavshin Ayin Zayin, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Avishai Eshel opens things up on this edition of the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Wangan. We're on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much for joining us, making us a part of your week. We are starting year number five. Holy cow. It's amazing. That means we, we wrap up four years of wonderful programming here and the most important part of the wonderful programming is the is you, the audience, and I got to thank you for encouraging us, for making it so um, popular, for uh, building up a listenership that is really fantastic, active, commenting, 
and we hope that it'll continue to grow. So thank you very much. And of course, my thanks to uh, Nachum Siegel, Miriam Wallach, Avrami, Avrami Finkelstein, ZK, Mark, Zamek, everybody at the uh, Nachum Siegel Network that uh, has made this happen and has been with us since day one. Thank you all, and thank you listeners, and we... Uh, we hope that we will be worthy of your listenership and of the trust that you've put in us. Um, the news from Israel last week was horrendous. Anyone who was following Israeli news knows that uh, there was um, a terror, I would say a terror spree of arson, terror torching. It was, it was just so... Difficult to watch. And uh, now that we have on the uh, computer, on the iPads, the ability to see the news from Israel uh, in real time, you see entire neighborhoods going up in flames, entire neighborhoods being wiped out. Miraculously. Nobody was killed and nobody was hurt. Really, Israel has gotten... Israel gets it right now when it comes to fires. They've learned a lot over the past years, unfortunately, with through experience. Um, they were able to get the people out on time quickly. But people's entire lives are wiped out. I heard an interview yesterday. It, it breaks your heart. There, a, a couple, probably in their late 60s, early 70s, he's a professor at one of the universities, and she's a psychologist. And they live in Haifa. He had a, a, a library which it seems people would come from far and wide to look things up and make copies of certain things. And a collection of um, Jewish material, Israeli material, and it's all gone. It all is like dust in the wind. And she had a very special a therapy place for kids with problems, and they had a different type of therapy with dolls and so forth. It was a safe place for them. It was beautifully set up, and that, now that's gone. And all these kids, besides this couple that's affected, I, I don't even know that they've managed to internalize how great it is, what they've lost. They, they spoke about it, but you know, one day they're going to wake up and... and it's going to hit them. You know how it doesn't hit you right away. Um, all the people that are affected, all the kids who will be affected by it, who, who would come to her for therapy and who benefited so much from her place. That's one little example. Multiply that by tens of thousands. And what you didn't hear, at least I didn't see it anywhere, maybe there were you know, 10-second, 20-second little report about it in a, in a very powerful way, in a very neutral way, what you don't hear about is that these, most of these fires, most, were set deliberately by terrorists who actually would be happy if people were killed. Oh, they're happy that they've destroyed entire neighborhoods. They're happy that they've wiped out people's life work in some cases. But they, their intent is to kill. Don't, unfortunately, even in Israel, some people got 
caught up in this. No, don't blame the Arabs. Don't blame the terrorists. Maybe it was started because of the weather. Yes, some fires, brush fires, start because of the weather. And the weather, the, the, the conditions were ripe for that, and the terrorists took advantage of it. There was no rain, no real rain in a long time. Don't forget, the whole summer Israel doesn't get rain. Everything dries out. And then there hadn't been rain recently since, when the, since the time that there should begin rain. You know, after we say Tfilat Geshem, that's why we say Tfilat Geshem. Um, so the trees were exceedingly dry. And so, and, and there were very high winds. And that, of course, fans the flames. The fire is spreading them very quickly. All you got to do is, it's so simple. You don't need any any um, explosives. You don't need to smuggle out any, anything. You take a few twigs. You take some a cloth and soak it in, in with with, uh, with uh, a flammable material. You uh, you light a fuse. You throw a Molotov cocktail, whatever it is, and it's done. And you've destroyed tens of thousands of homes, and 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 possibly could have also. Dis- killed people and this was taking place mainly there were there were some centers where it happened specifically um zichron yaakov was uh, one of them Hi- Hi- let's start with haifa haifa was the worst haifa got hit really bad tens and tens of thousands of haifa residents were evacuated they ran out as as people were eyewitnesses were saying they ran out with nothing but the clothes on their back literally and and everything they owned and their apartment, everything is gone. Zichron Yaakov, an entire neighborhood. Neveit Suf, which is a small yeshuv. It's it's a yeshuv in the Shomron, I believe. Um, the entire, almost the entire yeshuv is wiped out. And there are other places as well. Bet Meir was hit a little bit, and and other places. These things don't happen in a vacuum. You don't get dozens and dozens of fires starting just because of the weather. And Israel police have already arrested uh, several and charged them. And we'll see what continues in the next, uh, in the coming days. What Here in America, look at the media. Why are they not covering this in a big way? Why aren't there major news reports about this? That's the old story that we have to deal with. Also, there was an encounter on the border with Syria, on the Golan Heights, an encounter yesterday with ISIS. And Israel killed four ISIS terrorists. But uh, keep your eyes open for that, because it it, it would seem that ISIS is trying to um, create a, a little bit of a base, a foothold near the border with the Golan. And... Um, and start up with Israel and open another border war, so to speak, besides all the stuff that they're doing inside Syria. Israel's fighting back. Israel's much better equipped. There's no question about it. And hopefully that will um, hopefully that will calm down. But keep your eye out for that. Uh, we have lots of new material to tell you about and some updates of from last week's show. We'll bring you all of that soon, coming up in the next 45 minutes. Um, we have a brand new song by Erez Lev Ari, 
that is, it's a new cover, a new version of an old song. This comes off the album called Sama, volume number three. And this is a collection of Chabad Nigunim as they are sung by Israeli artists. Erez Lavari is one of them. Uh, lots of uh, familiar names on this particular album. It's it, it, it's a really nice album. Let me just get you the... Oh, of course, the paper is never where you want it when you need it. Um, okay, well, well, I'll tell you about that maybe after the song is over. Um, lots of great artists that are very well known to our listenership for sure, and Israel for sure, and they've all joined into... Um, here it is. Uh-huh, found it. Avram Fried has a song on it. Amir Benayun, Yishai Ribo, Shuli Rand, Chilik Frank, and Erez Lavari, as I mentioned, all uh, joining uh, Udi Davidi, Hanan Ben-Ari, all the names that you've heard on this show on a regular basis. This one is Erez Lavari with the classic Yifrach B'yomot Sadik. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs>
הפך בימיו צדיק, ורוב שלום עד בלי ירח. יפרח בימיו צדיק, ורוב שלום עד בלי ירח. ויעוד מים עד ים, ומן הרדף של הארץ, לפניו יפרעו צים, יפרח בימיו צדיק לחב"ד ניגנבאי ארז לב-ארי אוף אוף דה אלבום צמא ווליום נאמבר 3 וחב"ד אז סלברייטינג דיס וויקנד דר ביג קינוס השלוחים אז אז קולד סו דאטס גואן אאוט טו אבריבאדי דר מלקום הונליין וואז דה קינוט ספיקר לאסט נייט דינט האב צ'אנס טו הייר איט יט בוט איטל בי אונליין טראסט מי יול בי אבל טו הייר איט אמ שור איטל בי אמייזינג דיי אוויז האב גרייט keynote speakers at uh, the Chabad Kinus HaShluchim. Last week, this is a quick update. Last week we reported on the, uh, it, it just happened, we reported that the uh, Bagatz, the Israeli High Court of Justice as it's called, was um, injuncted, placed an injunction on the appointment of uh, Rav Eyal Krim as the chief military uh, chaplain. The, the Rav HaRashi Litzahal. And they did so based on a, um, a request by the Meretz party, very far left, Meretz party, uh, who, who um, brought, to, uh, brought to the court uh, several quotes that Rav Krim had given that seemed rather, um, I, I, let's just say, they weren't politically correct for sure. But it turns out that these were quotes that Rav Krim was talking about that had nothing to do with the current situation. It all had to do with halachot that are not relevant currently, whether it's Eshet Yifat Toar and so forth. But they were relevant in, in halachic discussions in the Bet Midrash. And Rav Krim answered those already in, in a meeting that he had with the chief of staff, Eisenkot. And yet, we mentioned last week, and yet this, the court decided to... Um, inject itself into the situation, which was uh, rather unprecedented. And after we were off the air and people started hearing about it, not because of us, but because it made the news, um, many, 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 many people were um, protesting this, um, this court decision. They really felt that the court was going out of, out of bounds. Um, so the court... basically put an injunction and said the army cannot appoint him as chief chaplain until 
he comes before the court or submits a document to the court with explanations. He did so, and the court said, okay, uh, we basically accept it. And the merits party also said, we accept your explanations and therefore withdrew their, um, their case, and he will be inducted as the new uh, chief rabbi, chief chaplain of Tzahal, Rav Rashi Litzahal, on Thursday, Emir Hashem. Um, Merit claims they uh, they accomplished what they wanted to. Okay, what can I say? Um, Fidel Castro died. If you didn't hear the news <laughs> over the weekend, and some in the Israeli left, some in the Israeli far left, and some in the Israeli left. Um, as in the American left, I must say, the American left also talked about Castro as a revolutionary leader who's done such great things for Cuba, totally forgetting that he was he was he was a vicious dictator who who killed thousands of people, who um, did not allow for any freedom. Yes, he did do certain things in Cuba that are, you know, they talk about the free health care. That's a big the free healthcare there is pretty pretty crummy. If you're a tourist, if you come from outside of Cuba, then they have a different sort of healthcare system. But for the Cubans, it's pretty crummy. And the educational system is also pretty crummy. And that's why you don't find many people breaking down the doors to get into Cuba. You find a lot of people who want to get out of Cuba. He was a communist through and through. And yet, everybody seems to feel that, uh, not everybody, but the leftists seem to feel that they need to express their um, good feelings towards him and, and condolences upon his death. The Hadash party in Israel, which is a communist party, uh, sent out condolences, how uh, sad they were that uh, the great leader of the people is dead and, and so forth. Well, there were even, by the way, there were even some articles in Ma'ariv by people that I was rather surprised about who um, who had some nice things to say about a vicious dictator like him. Um, Haaretz, Haaretz um, headline does not, only the subheadline, but the headline itself does not include that he was a dictator, that he was, uh, uh, um, that he, that, that there were no rights for the people, um, the rights that we're used to in a democracy, they did not have. People spoke out against him, were killed. It's just the Haaretz headline is Fidel Castro, the communist revolutionary that ruled Cuba for 50 years, died at the age of 90. And then they have another headline is mixed headlines around the world. It's a new chapter opens in the history of Cuba. Yeah, there's mixed, you understand, the people that are happy about, that were happy with Fidel Castro and and his ways. So I guess they're they're upset, they're sad that he is dead. Uh, All right. Well, it brings back memories. I've seen this before and uh, I pulled it out now because um, it, it was so apropos. You remember Stalin, <laughs> the, the dictator in the Soviet Union, 
who um, we we did uh, ally with during World War II because we needed to. And when you need to, you need to. But he was, he killed millions of people. I believe the claim is that he, he killed more people than, uh, than Hitler did. He, he was a butcher. He was hard to, to, to describe how brutal and crazy he was. But to the socialists and communists around the world, he was Shemesh Ha'amim, the, the, the sun, the light of the nations. So Mapam, which was the workers' party, one of the workers' parties in Israel who were in power in the early years of the country, Mapam has, I'm going to post this on the Facebook page later, it's an amazing, it's a Moda'at Evel, you know, in Israeli newspapers they have advertisements with the black border around them in which... Uh, there is an announcement of someone's death or or um, a, a eulogy or greetings uh, or sympathy and so forth. So, Mifleget HaPoalim HaMuchedet says this, Mapam, the United Workers' Party of Israel, Nechrida Lishmoa Lishema HaAson HaGadol. They were just, they're, they're quaking when, when they heard about this terrible tragedy that has descended upon the nations of the USSR and also has descended the proletariat, the world proletariat, and all of progressive humanity. Notice that they called it progressive even then. And what was this terrible, terrible ason that happened, this terrible um, calamity? was taken from us, the great leader and uh, commander, Yosef Vissarjovonovich, I don't know what, how to pronounce that, Stalin, Joseph Stalin. And they go on about how they, um, they bow their heads in, in, in solidarity and so forth, and we lower our flag and all the great things that he did. And this was from Mifleget HaPoalim HaMeuchedet, Alamishmar, which is um, which was the newspaper, the daily newspaper, uh, <laughs> also had this great headline about the terrible loss to the world of um, of Joseph Stalin. So they've gotten wise, I believe. The people who used to be members of Mapam, I, I think that the next, even that generation, but I think the next generation has wised up, realizing that no, 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 <laughs> it's. Uh, just a little crazy, and he did terrible things, and he 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 was a mass murderer, no, no more, no less. He was a mass murderer, and um, maybe they don't lionize Stalin anymore. So, looking at that and hearing some of the echoes with the death of Fidel Castro, maybe it's not so surprising, but um, but it's sad. It's said that, that people can be hoodwinked by, by nonsense. All right, when we come back, we're going to tell you about this um, very interesting tower that's been around in Jericho. It's an ancient tower. goes back thousands of years. And um, a discovery about the tower that Rav Yoel Ben-Nun has written about, and um, it really drives with his recent publication where he discusses a lot about the calendar, 
the solar, the lunar, and the combination that we, uh, the Jewish people, use. Um, we're going to go to some music, but first, for about a minute, we're going to hear a recording of what took place exactly tomorrow, <laughs> not today, not today. And um, it was in 1947, so that makes it, what, 69 years ago? This was the UN vote that took place on the 29th of November, 1947, in which the United Nations voted a majority to agree to the partition plan, meaning to take what was left of Eretz Yisrael that wasn't given away to Jordan, and divide that amongst the Jews and the Arabs, which was a very um, contentious move. Ben-Gurion supported it, but many didn't. Many felt that it was a mistake, because what are we going to be left with? A tiny little nothing. Ben-Gurion saw far, and in his mind and in his heart, he always felt, we'll start off with this tiny sliver, and then things will change, and we'll get more, and he was right. So we'll start with that, and then Uri Davidi with Aim Ein Anili Mili. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We will proceed the whole call. You all know how to vote. Those who are in favor will say yes. Those who are against will say no. And the abstainers, always they, they know what to say. Afghanistan, no. Argentina, abstention. Australia, yes. Belgium, yes. France, yes. I call on the public, and I hope that you will not have any interference on the voting on the debate. Yemen, no. Yugoslavia, abstain. I call 33 in favor, 13 against. The resolution of the Duck Committee for Palestine was adopted by 33 votes, 13 against, 10 abstentions.
יזמים שבסופך הם כוח בחירתך, אז רק תבחר בטוב, תדע רק לאהוב את עולמך. ולפעמים אתה קצת מתעייף במלאכה, ומבקש שמישהו יושיט יד אל ידך, חפש בתוכך, חפש בנשמתך, זה כוחך. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. Thanks for being with us. Wherever you are around the world, whenever you're listening, we are uh, here. And our Facebook page, if you haven't liked the page itself yet, please do so. And please tell friends and family to do the same if you think that they would enjoy this uh, type of programming. And um, let's see, we're up to 406. Wow, in a week we've surpassed the 405 mark. So thank you so much for continuing. And if you go onto the page and you see something, if you click like, it helps us. Not just liking the post, but liking the page. And not just liking the page, but liking the post and so forth. Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. And we are sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh, which is uh, an organization that devotes itself to Aliyah, to helping Jews go to Israel, ascend Aliyah to our promised land, an opportunity that wasn't available in previous generations to those before us for thousands of years. And so we're very lucky that we have this opportunity, and Nefesh Benefesh is there to make it easier for us. They help with financial aids for those who need it, financial aid for those who need it, employment resources, assistance with the government bureaucracy. They've done amazing work to, to get rid of a lot of that. Guidance, support through communities and so forth, and they make each individual's aliyah as successful as possible. And we urge you to go look at their website, even if you do not currently consider making aliyah. 
go look at their website. You never know what will catch your eye. www.nbn, nbn, nefesh benefesh, nbn.org.il, www.nbn.org.il. We at The Israel Show are proud to be sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh. So, as promised, saw something from um, Rav Yoel Ben-Nun, and it really caught my attention. Rav Yoel Ben-Nun is uh, one of the fathers of the rejuvenated study of Tanakh in the land of Israel, and through the ability to connect to the land of Israel now as never before, and through archaeological discoveries, to gain even more insight into Tanakh. Um, to be able to bring to form new understandings of things that we've struggled with throughout the generations that Mepharshim struggled with. And based on an archaeological discovery, suddenly you, you see things that you didn't see before. Um, he wrote a book recently. It's called Zachor V'Shamor. Teva V'Historia Nivgashim B'Shabbat V'Luach HaChagim. Nature and history combine or meet on Shabbat and on the calendar of the holidays. And it's basically, a lot of it is about the the calendar, the evolution of the Jewish calendar, the concept of the double calendar, and so forth. So he, he writes that he often visited Yericho, which, which is known as the oldest city in, uh, in human history that is still around. And the um, archaeological excavations there, the digs, and so forth, um, have uncovered structures that are the oldest in in the world that we have, older than anything else that has been discovered. There's a tower there, a Neolithic period tower, and he, Rav Yoel Benun says that he every time he would go to Yericho, uh, you know, leading a group of people as a teacher, as a madrich. He couldn't understand what that tower was doing there. And why would you usually build a tower? If you think about it, why does a city build a tower? Usually, it's to defend from outside enemies. So you have the tower, and you can look out and onto the horizon and see if anybody's approaching and, and so forth. But, he says, as far as we know, there, there was nobody in the area that you needed to defend against. This goes back so long that it was totally uninhabited area other than Yericho, and they didn't have a need for a watchtower. Couldn't understand what the tower was doing there. And recently it was discovered by uh, two professors of Tel Aviv University, Professor Ran Barkai and his uh, assistant, Roeli Ran, that in the tower is a staircase on a very unusual angle. And if you stand at the staircase, you what you will see straight ahead of you is a staircase and it has two very tall walls on either side. So you're looking through a narrow, um, a narrow slit, so to speak. And what you see is another mountain. Not another mountain. You see a mountain, a very tall mountain, the largest, tallest mountain in the area. It's called Harkarantal. And it turns out that in the, in the right angle, if you're standing the right angle, on the longest day of the year, this tower is totally covered by the shadow 
of this mountain. Meaning, the uh, ancient man had the ability through this tower to know exactly when the seasons are changing by knowing when the longest day of the year is. So, according to Rav Yoel Benun, ultimately, this was the oldest, most ancient sun calendar, exact sun calendar that we know. It, it, it bears witness to that. Okay, <laughs> that's cool. So what? And here Rav Yoel takes it further than the than these two um, professors, or the professor and his assistant. He says that we know that the way humankind developed, originally, men um, were what, they, what the scientists called, called hunter-gatherers, right? They, they didn't do agriculture. They weren't farmers. They hunted for their food, or they gathered their food in the fields, but they didn't do agriculture. Agriculture developed later. So if you're not working the land, you don't really care about the seasons of the sun. You don't care when it's going to be a rainy season. You don't care when is the best time to plant because it's going to be cold or, 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 or when you have to pick it because it's going to be hot. It's, it's irrelevant to you. You don't need a solar calendar. But the minute ancient man starts to farm, suddenly he needs to know when the different seasons of the sun are because that has that is what really affects the agriculture. He has to know when things grow or when they don't grow. When the season comes that, be, that the rains will fall. When the hot season comes and he's got to gather the things from his field and so forth. All, uh, I mean, cut the, uh, cut the weed or, 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 or pick the uh, fruits off the trees and so forth. He needs to know. And the only way he can know it is through the sun. And so if until that point he might have used a lunar calendar, he now, for the reasons of agriculture will use, needed to know a solar calendar, and by building such a tower, he used his technology, which is pretty amazing, um, to, to build a tower that would help him know the, what, when the year begins, so to speak, when a cycle of the year begins. He points out something interesting, which we all know, but I never saw it really put in this way. The moon, says Rivial, the moon has no year, the sun, the sun has no months. The moon has months. We, we see the cycle. It starts, the new moon, Rosh Chodesh, it becomes full at the middle of the Chodesh, and then it wanes and, and goes dark again at the end of the Chodesh and beginning of the next one. So we know that every 29 plus change days, as we watch the moon, another month has gone by, and that's it. There's no year. But every day is different within the month. The moon is different. So ancient man was able to say, you know, to, to somebody, because they didn't have any timepieces, meet me at the full moon. So they knew at the next full moon, they knew when to meet. In fact, the Chagim are like that, right? Uh, two of our biggest Chagim, Sukkot and Pesach, are on the full moon, the 15th of the month. And we were able to tell 
that by just looking up in the sky. And other Chagim that we have, like Rosh Hashanah is at the new moon, right? And other Chagim count from there. So Shavuot, which is not really on a full moon and not on a, on a new moon, we count exactly the days from Pesach to Shavuot. And uh, Yom Kippurim, which is also not on one of the exact um, moon cycles, is 10 days. We count 10 days after Rosh Hashanah. So um, that is how ancient man was able to deal with things before he had a solar calendar. But the sun, on the other hand, has no months. The sun basically rises and, and, and uh, sets and creates a day, and that obviously everybody needs to know when the day is, but that's very obvious. But the sun comes up and goes down. It's a little off every day, shifts a drop. But basically, every day is the same with the sun. You can't tell one day from another, unlike the moon. can't tell one day from another from the sun. And the fact is that there is no months. There's no 12-month cycle. The only reason we have months in the solar calendar is because we decided arbitrarily to assign 12 months, maybe because of the connection to the lunar year and the solar year that when you connect them, they're about 360-something days on the solar, and the lunar is near, near to that number. So we set, so, so man set um, the, the solar system, also the um, solar calendar with 12 months as well. But there's nothing in, in Teva, in nature, that provides that the, um, that dictates that the sun, um, in the solar calendar, that, that there's 12 months. We could divide up months any way we wanted to, and it would make no difference. The only thing that the solar uh, calendar does is years and seasons um, because of the cycle, the yearly cycle, that agriculture is totally dependent on. And so um, maybe this new discovery, says Rav Yol Ben-Nun, teaches us that um, this was where early agriculture began, teaches us about the shift from the solar calendar to a combined calendar. And in fact, that's what the Jewish people, as they left Egypt, were commanded by God to have a combination calendar. One that is lunar, but takes into account the solar by, by having leap years and is, was so critical because the Israeli society coming out of Egypt was to be an agricultural one. And he points out at the end of this article, Revial does, that a lot of time passed from when this original tower in Yericho, the sundial, so to speak, um, was built until the time that the Jewish people, the Bnei Israel, crossed the Jordan and came to the very same area of Yericho. And they, the Jewish people, Bnei Israel, changed their way from being those who were traveling in the desert for a generation to an agricultural-based society when they entered the land of Israel. That the Jewish people started eating from the produce of the land and the man stopped. And that year, it says, this is from Yehoshua Parakei, So he says that Bnei Israel had no way of knowing 
that a shift from being nomads to being an agricultural-based, land-based society had already started many years before they arrived there. But for us to discover it today is, is very beautiful and very moving and very exciting. I hope, <laughs> I hope I haven't bored you or lost you. But in order to make up for that, we're going to play... That should get you going. Omer Adam. Here on the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Ragnar kissing Omer Adam. That's very popular at weddings and other smachot. Very, very popular. Well, in the next couple of weeks, we hope to uh, share some uh, new material with you, new songs that are coming out. We're on the lookout for. Um, there's a very interesting song by uh, the uh, group Tipex, which really came apart years ago, but Kobio's the main uh, the main singer and composer came out with something in their name, um, accompanying with a video which traces the history of his family that came from uh, one of the Arab countries to Israel in the 50s, like so many, and um, what it was like, the history of, of th- this migration from Arab countries to Israel in the early 50s. So we'll, uh, we'll touch on that. Also, this was uh, actually last week, I believe, in, uh, in Yediyot Achronot, and it's interesting how uh, it, it dovetails with what's happening now. If you're familiar with the Yerushalayim and the Kidron Valley, that's where um, there are several very ornate graves. One is called Marat Yehoshaphat, and one is called Yad Shalom. They were, the arson um, attacks are being launched on archaeological finds and excavations also. This is a way to wipe out the Jewish presence, the idea of the Jewish presence and the evidence, if you will, of the Jewish presence in the land of Israel by attacking archaeological sites and um, trying your best to destroy them. And it's been going on now for a while, and its uh, I don't know how Israel is going to protect itself against that, because unfortunately, um, these are, in most cases, large outdoor areas, which uh, you can't, unless you want to put them indoors into a, in a, build a house around them or something, which would just take away so much from it. So that, of course, dovetails with all the um, all the arson attacks that, we've been going through over the last week different than that because it's not hurting people directly, but it's hurting our heritage. Okay, we're going to close out with, what should we close out with? Let's see. Um, Let's close out with, (laughs) it's funny, I'm doing this live with you now. Let's close out with, well, I actually wanted to close out with something, but I don't see it on my playlist. Okay, so you know what? We'll close out with a really, uh, a classic song. By Shimi Tavori, Zekinor David. You know that one? It's really cool. But it goes back a long time. We'll close out with Zekinor David and Shimi Tavori. But not before we say thank you so much for listening, for tuning in. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network. And my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up at 11. No, well, I shouldn't say it that way because uh, many of you are listening on demand and you don't know what 11 is. If you're listening live, then coming up at 11... Um, an hour after this particular radio show on the live stream is uh, Headlines by David Lichtenstein and then the rest of the day, the Monday Music Marathon on the Nachum Siegel Network. Until next time we meet, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. <laughs> Shabu be